I'm in Max, Max, Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. I get that reference. <laughs> Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode Hi. 1 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. I'm, I'm Bill. Bill. Oh, we don't we know where we time. are. We don't Jinx. know where we are. <laughs> and Chris. Defer? Do you prefer Chris or Christopher? I take both. You do? Okay. All right. Yeah. How Depends about, on your mood. How about, I mean, if you're feeling formal. How about Chris? Uh, yeah, or, or you know, um, Topher? the any nominated Christopher Gray that always works. Okay. But, but Topher is right now. <laughs> Topher, that's not bad. I could live with that. All right. Uh, in this episode of Happy Chicks RPG Podcast, Aaron writes in about online game prep. Kyle writes, uh, asks how GMs maintain their creative juices, apart from hydration. Uh, and Chad, or Great Worm, asks how to recover GM confidence after a train wreck of a session. I'm suspecting there might be some horror story there. I hope so. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacks rpg at gmail.com that's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com we have a forum happyjacksforum.com that's happyjacksforum.com and we're on the social medias happyjacksrpg all one word and you'll find us on twitter and instagram and facebook and MeWe. and if you'd like to watch the show live you can watch it at happyjacks.org slash live on fridays at 7 p.m pacific time and we're pretty close to on time right now we're only three minutes it's only three minutes in and i've been talking for at least two of those which is not bad i don't think Good. What, that you're talking good. about that we're on time? That we're on time. Oh. Alright, uh, who would like to read the first email? This is uh, online game prep from Aaron. Anyone? Anyone? Everybody I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm All on right. it. I was just trying to figure out what your background was. Oh, that is uh, Lieutenant Chevrolet, who's my uh, my Andorian security officer in my Star Trek Adventures game. So I throw her Obviously. My elite work. Photoshop skills back there. Excellent. Online game prep from Aaron. Hello, fellow gamers. Aaron from Northern California. Aragura in the forums, or Aragera. It didn't help. Aragera? His phonetics Ara- didn't Ara-gera. help. Aragera. Yeah, I guess there's no emphasis on any syllable. Or is it Aragera? Aragifa. Gifa. Anyway. That's not helping at all. it's not. Not confusing at all. Longtime listener. Sporadic emailer. Eater of Backlog, Game Master, Con Player, and GM, supporter of the Small Press Publishers. Nice. Being a fellow gamer trapped in my home and slowly going through dice withdrawal, I was drawn to the internet to satisfy my gaming habit. I have played over 132 hours on Roll20. Wow. That was a a couple years ago. That's child's play. (laughs) Now, I'm in an online game and trying to get my own off- the ground. I'll get my own game off the ground. I'm sure with that. I do enjoy the medium of online gaming, but I am a very casual prep light GM. I like to see where the players jump and provide obstacles on the fly to create details of the world from their actions or whole cloth. Mm-hmm. I tend to use the rules of a system as a framework for spontaneous creation. To the questions! Being a casual GM and moving back to online, I have found that I need to prep far more for my style of gaming rather than the in-person style. I need to have as much grab-and-go art and maps preloaded. Have any of you found this also to be the case? Even something as simple as a random throwaway enemy needs to have, at minimum, a token created ahead of time. What tools do you think are important to help mitigate this prep and allow you to play more freeform online with less prep? And I know you've also answered this in the recent past, but it should be asked again, which medium of play do you prefer? Drink! Uh, we'll do the P- the PSs now or sure. after. Sure. Sure, there's no questions. In yes. Continue gaming and providing a glimpse into a world filled with creativity and entertainment during this crisis. Stay safe. Mm-hmm. PPS. I agree that all game designers should be compensated for their efforts and strive to pay what I can when purchasing a pay-what-you-want game on drive through Thank you for shedding light on this situation. We appreciate P- that. PPS. Sending this from my work account after listening to episode 2618 on my hour commute to work and not wanting to forget to send it in, send in a much needed email to keep the content going. 
I won't give his personal email. Yeah, don't give his personal email. No, that's fine. <laughs> thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you, Aragera. 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 He's from Boston, obviously. It's, uh, it, you know, when like, Kennedy died, it was the end of an era. Aragera. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, it's my one Kennedy joke. So, so... Now I, I tried roll. Was it roll twenty? I think it was roll yep. twenty. Long, long time ago, and it was kind of back then. It was kind of a pain in the neck to put stuff in. I I think I mentioned this before. I tried to make a gigantic map. You that, did make a gigantic map that went from. If I it crashed the matrix. Yes, yes, it crashed. Yeah, we had to reboot time. and get another one. And and I don't. I, I'm for me, just a video conferencing thing is fine. And just theater of the mind. You know, and that's kind of my instinct as well. But I haven't actually run anything online, and I've only played a couple of games. But it seems like the simpler you keep it, the easier and better it's going to be for everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome that, that Roll20 is out there and everything, but it almost seems like it's too much. There's a huge behemoth. You're right. you got to load maps. you got to prep animations. You've got to prep dialogue. It's, it's a lot of... It's a lot of front-loading to make it look good and work. Now, Roll20 has gotten a lot better. Um, I do find, though, uh, it helps if you're running something that has an established SRD or something that mm. is preloaded into Roll20, mm. because then you could just drag it onto the screen and it becomes, ooh, a monster. So for, like, D&D, it's great. But um, if you're just running basically anything else, it can be a big challenge just uploading and getting everything set up. I, um, I, I do I run it a lot. I could see myself on top of struggling with rules and struggling with, you know, paying attention to what the people are doing, also then struggling with the technology to make sure I got all that working, too. It just seems like my mind would be fractured into too many places and nothing would be good. Even I though- find... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sir. Go ahead. I'm done. Oh, um, yeah, I find... Because I, I played uh, in a campaign of World 20 uh, during our time in lockdown, and... Uh, the GM really has to know how to use the software because they have to basically unlock and enable a lot of stuff or they're the only ones that can load it, right? They have a lot of control over the situation. And in that way, it's not very intuitive. There's things where I'm like, oh, I want to grab my guy. I want to grab a thing and move it because it's mine. But it's like, oh, no, the GM hasn't set it so I can move it. Or, you know, it's set to where... Uh, I only I can see something and or other people can't or I can't and they or it's just it, there's a lot of it's very fiddly I guess is the way I put it um, and it's and it's powerful there's a lot of stuff there but you can you can tell um, putting on my software hat you can tell that it like started here they started to make some stuff and then it's just like things have been bolted 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 so there's tons of functionality but the UX gets pretty crazy after a while so it's not super user friendly um but i don't know there's a lot of game systems like that so if it's your thing and you put the time in it's a great tool i do run i do run it a lot um and i have found that the the less you use it the better and and what i mean by that is i've actually stopped uh with with the one dnd campaign i do for some middle age uh middle age uh, middle school kids they're not middle-aged i'm middle-aged <laughs> um, but the one game that I do for those kids, I actually, they don't use World 20 at all. They just use Zoom. And I share my screen and show a Roll 20 map. And then I'm able to move their figures for them. And I'm able just to handle all of the tech. So that requires having two screens. But, um, but I, you know, the less that the players have to do, the better. Um, and if you can go without a map and just use visual aids, then Zoom is really all you need because you can just share your screen and show your visual aids. I mean, I do that a lot just with using Zoom and Google tools. So um, I think that it's easy to overcomplicate things. Uh, if you're using a complex system, it's nice to have the tools. But if you're not, go with a simpler tool. I would I would need a co-GM just to do the tech part of stuff for me. Um because I could just see myself getting overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed just running a game normally at a table. I can't even imagine throwing all the tech on top. But, uh, I mean, I remember when we first started this podcast, the whole online thing was still really even new. We were even talking like, oh, my God, people play online. And Roll20 was one of the first ones out there. And it's good to know that it's still around, and I can totally see what you're saying. It's become a Frankenstein's monster. But 
I mean, are there other better options out there now? There was Roll20 and there was another one back in the day, but I don't, I mean, I haven't looked at it in a long time, so I don't even know what the options are. Well, Fantasy Grounds, which I think you can get through Steam, and uh, that one's from, I've never used it, but from what I've heard, it's an extremely strong system. Um, Again, uh, really good for complex games. I mean, I think that these platforms can overcomplicate things. If you're running Masks or, um, I don't know, even Call of Cthulhu, it, it or or even any white wolf game I mean, you really don't need all of that tech i mean I, yeah. I think you need a camera and a way to share your screen occasionally yeah which brings me back to what i said about keeping it simple but to his question do you find yourself having to to pre-prep a lot more when you're playing roll 20 that's why i dump money into roll 20 because all of that stuff is in there and all i have to do is buy it and it's and i don't have to prep so if I didn't buy it and I didn't have the module, and I'll use modules that are published for my own games that aren't published adventures, but I, if I didn't buy it, then it would take way too much time to upload all of that shit and, and keep track of it all. I, I just don't. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, can... there's there's a lot. Um, I mean, I'm playing in some other online stuff. Zoom we use for everything else that I've played um, because it is a lot more theater of the mind. And anytime anybody's need to show anything, whether that's a player or the GM, they've just used share screen, right? So you got to learn like one thing to be able to show your screen. Um, it's not as interactive. You don't get as much variety. There's probably, unless you've messed the money, like Dr. Gray said, so I'm just going to give you names now, Kristen. Um, uh, it is, uh, you have to do a lot more prep in that way. Like if there's a thing I want to show, I got to get it ready or I got to Google foo in the middle of a session. The thing that's that's crazy during our um, and this is a plus and a minus to on to playing online at your laptop for me at least is while we're playing the Star Trek game something will come up I'll Google something pop up in Photoshop make a custom thing and throw it up like during the game when the scene is with someone else then I just go and do that but that's a very particular like skill I have <laughs> or or neuroses or whatever it is the thing that I like to do. Um, so, but it's, but you do have to like, you know, find stuff if you want to be showing a lot of things like that. I mean, yeah, there's fantasy grounds is good. Um, you know, there's a lot of things for, there's one thing called like roll, like Rolly's team or Rollis, Rollis steam. Um, there's like astral tabletop and there's a bunch that have come out, you know, roll twenties, the big one, right. It's kind of the big one, but like map tool, um, is really good. That's like a programmable virtual tabletop. So there's a, there's other ones out there you can do to actually do a bunch of custom stuff if that's your jam. I'm much more with Christopher on that one. I'd rather invest the money if I was going to use something where I wanted figures and sounds and all kinds of different stuff. You know, your little Photoshop thing is just really the modern equivalent of doodling somebody's character at the table, which I used to do yeah. all the time anyway. It's like when in between scenes I would draw. It's all you're doing. <laughs> my, my, yeah. there, there was one D and D campaign I ran for a lot of years where we used kind of a we we didn't use distance like normal. We kind of used a tiny dungeons version of distance where you have three different zones, so we didn't have to worry about mapping too much. And so I spent roll twenty just putting up images that looked like the area we were in. Cool. And then if some monster came in, I would just drop the picture of the monster. So that th- that was basically a Pinterest board I was keeping track of. That was my crap. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that you can do a lot just with, if you need visuals and if you're using Roll20 because you want the dice rules and you need the uh, the system, the uh, the machinery of Roll20, uh, then you don't necessarily need maps. You can use images. It is nice to have a dice roller and, and yeah. stuff mm-hmm. built in because that's, uh, that's something we sort of have been struggling with with Zoom. We've just been rolling here at home and, you know, well, there's there's online dice rollers you can get. I've been playing in Discord and Zoom, and none of them have support for it. But you can there's online dice rollers, and there's ones where you can. Um, uh, Kurt Potts ran Sixty, which is a new thing he's put out, um, and he found one that was basically like an. Uh, it's not like secure, but it doesn't matter. Um, you say like here here's you go to the site. Here's the name of the room. Everybody logs into the room, and then they can all see the same table where dice get rolled. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Roll dice with friends. That's what it is. Yeah, it, it wasn't that. It was a different one. But yes, there's there's that one. Like there's a ton, right? That are like that. You're right. Um, and so you just have that running on the side, right? A zoom window open, back and forth. People roll. That would be that would be cool. It's pretty cool. You got to play Kurt's game. I haven't played it yet. 
It was. It, it looks fun. Great. It was very simple and very fun, and um, lets the storyteller be super imaginative. Um, and we all just were like, "Random tables. We love random tables. Let's roll on random tables to make our characters." So that's always a good one. Hmm. That roll. I would think someone should make one of those that's animated. It was the one that you used animated? Because rolls with roll yep. dice with friends doesn't look like it's animated. It is. It was, and it had like the physics things like doo, 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 went and seemed, you know flip if they were moving or whatever. So if you're using D and D Beyond, they have dice rollers now on their character sheets, which are pretty sweet actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, but that's it, just it's sharing it with the group that everybody can use the same dice roller. That was that was the thing that I think is sort of lacking. Yeah, that's why we miss hangouts. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, just to answer his question, my prep has gone down because I'm not making physical props because that's my thing is to make newspapers and shit like that. And there's not they're not here, so I don't. So what I, I just cut I just if if someone gets a message or there's an article or something, I just cut and paste it and put it in Slack or something for them. So you I, did make like an online paper that you sent to us all, though. I do have I do have with a web links and everything. I do have a web page for um, the vampire game. It's called LA Intelligencer or Los Angeles Intelligencer dot com, and uh, it just I just put up a simple WordPress thing on there, and that there's news there's been news articles. I don't think I put anything up the last couple sessions, so I need to go back to that and add some stuff. Because every so often someone realizes it's there and goes and does a deep dive and says, wait a minute, this guy over here, I think this guy died suspiciously, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, if you're watching Great American Witch, you'll see me switch to Jamboard occasionally. Jamboard is a free tool in the G Suite. Well, I guess it's not free if it's G Suite, but it's included in G Suite. And uh, it allows you to drop cards on a, on a table, basically. And so I've been for Witch, I've been using it as a 3 by 5 card kind of tool oh. and you can also drop images and stuff in there so um, it, it, that's something that sh- is shared real time with whoever has the link so that's something that you can use to without having to fire up a Roll20 account that does the same basic thing cool. do, you, do you have any um, uh, hints for if you're not using Roll20 or whatever just to streamline his prep I mean it, what you said about just, just not doing maps so you just basically will share a window and pop up is probably very very helpful because I think people get enamored and fall down the rabbit hole of using the tech to its fullest when I think sometimes that that probably really doesn't need to happen you know use the tech but don't don't get you know it's like just because you have a sports car doesn't mean you have to go 200 miles an hour all the time oh no you do <laughs> <laughs> my Maserati does 185 <laughs> Not in LA traffic. <laughs> uh, I think that the prep is uh, uh, completely um, proportionate to the, um, to the to the amount of, of of rules you need to abide by. So if you are really into maps and making sure that X and X many can go X and X spaces, then you're going to need the map. You're going to need the prep. You're going to need the tokens. But I have found with online gaming, the the more you can take out of that kind of stuff, the better. And so you can, uh, if it's D&D we're talking about, I don't know what we're talking about, but if it's D&D or Savage Worlds or things that have those distance rules, um, you can you can just change it to zones. Uh, newer games are doing this anyway when you look at Luke Numenera and some of these other games. And just like, is it close? Is it far? Or is it really far? And just kind of keep it on that level. Then you don't need all the tokens. Then you don't need everything. Um, even if you're using Roll20, you don't need the monster stats. You have a little dice roller. You can pick the die, hit the button, and it's done. So I, I think that you might be prepping unnecessarily because you want to use, as Stork said, all of the tech. You don't need to. Yeah. Okay. Do we answer all of his questions? And what mean- I mean, the other, the other thing I would say that is, and it's something Stu and I have done a lot of in using OneNote, it's really similar. Right. If you are just as you think of something or something comes up, throw a note somewhere. And then later when you're, you know, screwing around and maybe instead of that 10 minutes of going on Facebook, you know, going like, oh, yeah, there was that interesting. I'm going to go find a picture. I'm going to go find an image. Right. Like Google image search is super powerful. Right. And so if you know that they're going to come into town, go, oh, yeah, I'm going to need some dwarves. I have a bunch of dwarf names. I'm just going to find some cool dwarf pictures right? or whatever it is. Right. And just have them. And whether they're all in a folder or you use OneDrive or whatever it is, then it's super easy just to get those, put them in things, share screen. Here's the person you're talking to. Here's the town, right? To me, the worst part is when you're trying to do anything with distance rules. 
because then you want to have the hex paper on that kind of stuff, and then all that positioning matters, right? So if you are playing in systems where that doesn't matter as much, or you can be using more generic things like, you know, uh, you are in melee combat range, you're in short, medium, long, whatever, right? That is a much more fluid way to be playing um, when you're online because you don't have to then doing all the little fiddly bits. Yeah, and I I like maps, and you were actually summed it up the best for me when I was doing... I think it was the freak show game we were in the in the Fey realm. And you said, "Do you have a map or something just so we have a good not get an idea of what the terrain is?" And because sometimes you want to utilize the terrain, you know, to hide behind or to lure them into a trap or whatever it is. And I and I do like a, a good map for that reason. So you may have to adapt your GMing. I know I would because that's it's just awkward to start getting maps around and fiddling with them. The, um, e- the easiest thing to do in that kind of a situation, if someone <laughs> says, "Hey, is there cover near me?" Just say yes. Yeah, <laughs> there, there are some. The, I, I sometimes let the dice say that. It's like, is sure. there cover next to me? Oh no, one to three, there is. Boom. Okay, yes. Yeah, you can also. There's there's like shared whiteboard programs that are free. Oh yeah, where you could just have all those up, and then you know people you can you could hand draw that fast map like you might normally do, right? As opposed to having to go find it and have it look all wonderful and beautiful. Just go, okay, hang on. Here's this. You're there. That's all you did when I when I asked for that map in the Feyrell. Right, you just threw down really basic stuff. So be like, oh, okay, I have an idea where things are now. It's all positional. I get it. Um, so yeah, there's there are a lot of other tools out there. The thing I like about those, like shared whiteboards or anything like that, or even a Google Doc. We do a ton of stuff in Google Docs for story lore or things that goes by that everybody's in, and people can go in there and add stuff, and it kind of keeps this running. Everybody's contributing to diary, right? Of what happens um, is really good. The other upside is if you have Zoom. Um, you can record your session to the cloud, right? So super easy to do, and then pull it down, or, or if it's only the audio, it's not, it hardly takes up any space um, in your cloud storage because that is limited for Zoom, uh, but which is great too because then you can always go back and reference it, right? So there's there's some pretty handy stuff you can do to at least be able to refresh yourself between sessions um, and, and try to keep your on-the-fly going as much as possible. On the fly. Okay. Uh, all right. Maintaining your creative juices from Kyle. Hello, dearest Happy Jack's crew. This is my first time writing and in in while. Okay, I'll try this again. This is my first time writing in while, listening to several years of your backlog. It's my only I'm, line. <laughs> I'm still listening to your backlog, actually, so please forgive me. I'm a slow listener. I'm living in the relative past, as it were. At the time of writing, season 14, I started from the beginning when I found your show a couple of years ago. So, hello, new cast members, fond memories of old, but I heard you are in need of emails from the future. Let me go into some background. I have a terrible time sticking with rule systems or game long enough to run a campaign in it. I'm not sure if this is my lack of experience as a GM, as I have only been playing RPGs for seven years, and GMing for maybe two, and when I did, it was a pre-written D&D campaign or adventures for other games. I found I was over-prepping and leaving nothing for my players when I prepared a campaign myself. So, I've been trying to change that, and kind of lost all my creative flowing juices, jumping from game to game and idea to idea without really giving any time to come to fruition. I've bought new games and looked at old games, dug up old ideas and tried basing ideas on media, uh, trying to get back my creative juices that I no longer find myself being able to prep anything. So my question, how do you retain focus on rules systems or a game long enough to run it? How do you get back into prepping games to GM? Thank you so much for the show and inspiring me to take up the mantle of Game Master. You've all helped me through rough times in my life. So, take a drink. P.S. People still do these? Do you still drink? I just did. Yeah, except tonight is coffee and chicory. <clears throat> I'm, I'm having a lime LaCroix. I've been on the wagon for over a year now. I'm drinking the uh, Klaus Toller non-alcoholic. They're delicious. That's, I've had those. They are. They're really so good. good. I'm like, I don't need beer. I've got this. What great. the... Fuck. What are you I have about? an IPA. I've got Glenlivet 18. Jeez. That's a good one. That's a good one. I am going to have some Black Label for Father's Day. So I am 
Well, you can buy then. Bill's got a toddler, so yeah, there's just isn't enough. How do you alcohol. know, Stork? How can you tell? <laughs> you don't have enough alcohol to to, to kill no? all of that. Do you guys want to? Oh, I need a hug. Come here, buddy. It's hug time. Come here. Oh. oh. I need a hug too, though. Can you come in, please? All right. Here, why don't I mute that, and you guys can keep talking. Okay. Oh, <laughs> All right. Uh, so keeping keeping the juices going, boy, I've had the same. I've had the same problem. I've really been in a slump as well. I used to just be an idea guy. They were coming to me all the time, especially when I was younger and I was into comic books and there were ideas everywhere. And I'm, I'm an idea man. Chuck, they're coming at me all the time. And more and more, I find myself less and less enthused by anything I've thought of or come up with. And I also get what he's saying because sometimes trying a new system helps. Like, I had a great time playing your witch game, Christopher. Because it was like nothing I'd played before. It was kind of a new area. It was a new thing, and it was exciting. But I, I am having a hard time myself, be getting enthused by the same old things again and again. And I sometimes wonder, you know, after, after a while of running a game, it sort of becomes there's a sameness. You know, well, they're going to go on a quest. Oh, they're going to go into a dungeon, or oh, they're going to solve a mystery here. Oh, they're, it, it, after a while, it's like, what can I do to make this interesting? Maybe that's a flaw with me. I tend to do that anyway. I take a, a, a normal character and put it on its ear, or I take a situation and spin it just because I'm tired of the same old trope. You know, I like to, to re-examine it from a different point of view just to keep it interesting. I've gotten in trouble because of characters I've made that way. The, so, I, I, To me, it's kind of two different questions. One One question is, how do you get enthused enough to prep to run a campaign and how do you maintain that enthusiasm once the campaign's running the second one to me is easy what you do is you figure out what part of GM prep you enjoy doing because there's something there's some reason that you started GMing to begin with so so there's got to be something about GM game preparation that you enjoy do you like making new NPCs do you like coming up with interesting places do you want to make evil organizations uh, do you want to make uh, magic weapons or, or magic items or whatever it is? Find the thing that you really enjoy doing and concentrate on that. Because whatever it is you do, you, it may or may not en- enter into the game, but it pro- you probably can find a place to put it. And anything, any prep that you're doing, anything that you're doing to make the world richer and, and give it more depth is going to make the game better. So I would say for, as far as for like mid-game on we find the thing that you enjoy doing and do it and and concentrate on that thing as far as like starting out goes um i will regularly run campaigns where i don't know how they're going to end like i i, I don't some, sometimes i have an, a, an idea for a story arc sometimes i don't very often what i'll do is i'll come up with something and have two or three different sort of points of conflict or points of interest that the party can... I'm doing that in the vampire game. I mean, in the the vampire game, it's, okay, there's the Anarchs that are coming after you. There's also the Second Inquisition that's coming after you. And then there's this something going on with this mage. And and other stuff might be going on, too. And an Anarch shows up. So there's all kinds of things, and the party can kind of pick... There's no wrong answer. The party can kind of pick what thing they want to go after or, or what thing they think is most important, and that's going to become the most important thing. But, I mean, I don't think... I think you're doing yourself and your players a disservice if you're trying to write out an entire story. Because you've got to be able to throw that away. Yeah, one, one thing I do, I find, is I use writing prompts. Like, if I get stuck and I don't have an idea, I don't have a character concept, something for an NPC in the world, a place, or whatever, like, I'll just go, I think you, you just type in, like, writing prompts into Google, and it will give you a plethora of pages, right? So, I, I just did that, and I just found this random one, and it's like, what are some fantasy and paranormal writing prompts? So, like, pick it out between 1 and 50, Stork. Uh, 48. So we go to writing prompt forty-eight. I wish I could skip. Uh, I wish I could skip next week. You think as you get into bed that night. In the morning, you wake up a hundred years in the future. Okay, what? Hmm. Maybe so. Like, okay, could I do time travel? Is there? Is that because of the like the the castle they're in? Did they meet somebody who's from a hundred years in the past? Like, at least gets me thinking about something, right? Like anything that gets some kind of creative juices like that, right? Um, and that could be for especially when I'm GMing, because 
usually I've got something in mind I want to do, some kind of setting or some kind of outline of a story I want to tell, but I'll get stuck, right? And so... But, but, but before, before you get stuck, where does that idea and that drive to want to play that idea of a setting come from? I think it comes from the fact that um, it's it's less about it's a story I want to tell, and it's more it's a setting or a story I want to explore with other people, yeah. right? And the thing that helps me as a GM is if I'm thinking about who's going to be in my game, that usually will help drive what kind of setting I want to run because I can like I'll know they're more particular to fantasy or steampunk or wild west or sci-fi or whatever it is right and maybe an ip or maybe not and then i'll be like oh okay well i know they're gonna really like this setting what would be an interesting story in this setting right so it becomes less about what i'm writing or thinking of for myself and more about like what's going to be cool for the people that i'm gming because i think that's a big part of gming is is getting satisfaction from from helping build that playground and then going through that with your players. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I'm looking for what is the uh, movie that we're going to play. And that makes me go to many different systems because some systems deliver certain movies better than others. And so if I want to play an Indiana Jones movie, it's going to be very different than if I want to play, I don't know, a Christopher Guest movie or something. I don't know. But there's uh, there's all kinds of options out there in terms of genre. And I think that's what informs the rules. Like I think some, some GMs get fixed on, I know D&D GMs, get really fixed on oh this is the rule set i need to use i think we need to be uh polygamous game agnostic and look more about what is the experience we're after and then oh i'm gonna find a good game for that because there are so many good games out there my problem is the opposite there are all the games i want to play and i can't because i don't have enough time to learn the systems in a way that i can play them masterfully but i think that you know a couple uh, backing up a bit though uh Anway is is real is that how you say it Anway. Mm-hmm. is real yeah. i felt it everybody's felt it i think it, it the sameness will get to you and it's fine to take a break and find you know as Stu said what's the thing that you love about the hobby go and just wallow in that for a little while and then come back to the chair that's okay i mean it, it's fine to take hiatus hiatus in a campaign you know we're gonna need a month off here because i'm just not feeling it that's it might cool. even it might even be years yeah it could you be might just be burned out yeah, so it's, it's it's you know pay attention to yourself. There's a reason you're not able able to make it fit, and it's okay to listen to yourself and and, and take a break. There's um every director I've ever read interviews with or talk about, they talk about they have to be extremely passionate about a project in order to make it work because these people are basically living and breathing that story for five years or sometimes more all the time and. I mean, it's hard to remain excited about something for months, let alone year after year after year, and, and then until it finally comes to fruition. And I think there's a there's a sort of levels. There's the world building aspect, and that's fun. There's the there's the gathering the rule set and all, getting getting together all of the records, and then there's the actual production of it and running the game. And you get joy out of each one of those steps, but they're all sort of different. And I've, again, I've used uh, sticking with the movie or even theater back stage. I've heard a lot of actors who have been in long-running plays. They show up to the theater and they're like, "I just don't, I just don't think I can do this again. I just don't think I have it in me." And then they get out on stage, and that energy comes, and off they're they're off and running again. It's the same thing with jamming. You say to yourself, "I just I can't do this anymore. I don't like this anymore." You get together with your friends, and the next thing you know, you're having the time of your life. Sometimes it's just a matter of just doing it just just get up just do it and then you'll find yourself swept up again and go yeah i really like this and it may even happen week to week i mean Stu could probably speak to this because he's gm'd a bunch of games that you know every week it rolls around you roll your eyes god i don't know if i and then and then sure enough the game goes "Ah, that was great well one one of the things i do to sort of ease the workload uh is i do the game prep for the next session the night of the last game so if it's we're really on session nice. four, when, it, when as soon as we're done and everyone leaves, I sit down and write a synopsis of what happened and then what might happen the, the next session. And I do it right then, and then I, I don't have to worry about it. And then when the, the session comes, I'm going to get my computer up an hour before we start and go through and go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that way. Oh, maybe this, you know, and fine, you know, maybe fine-tune it. Or I, maybe I came up with another idea 
that I can throw in there. But I mean, to, for me, that's the that's the easiest way to do it. Because a, a, I want to go to bed at that usually at that point, and I'm tired, and so I I get to it, and I don't screw around with it. I like write out the synopsis, and then like boom, 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 write three or four things that might happen, and that's it. And then I go to bed. Well, let me let me ask you this, Stu. Um, when I don't want to use the current vampire game because you might give away spoilers, but when you were doing the mode of sin, mm-hmm. what inspired you to want to run that and use that scenario? What what was the steps that that inspired? Like I want to spend over a year of my life exploring this story. What is it that that made you want to do that? Because more, I think that's kind of what he's missing. He's trying to figure out where he can get that passion again. More than anything, I had heard a lot of people who had played in vampire games. I had never played in a vampire game, and I thought it would be fun to run one. So, it would in that case, it was more sort of the setting and the rule system than anything else that kind of drove me to want to do it. And once I started working on it, there again, I mean, now vampires a very specific thing, and, and one of the things you're probably going to spend a lot of time working on doing a a, a vampire campaign is you're going to come up with a lot of NPCs, and I enjoy doing that. That's one of the things I enjoy doing. So, I sat down initially and just just started making NPCs. I probably made 30 or 40 of them. And then as I'm doing them, I'm like, oh, what if this guy and that guy were brothers? And what if... And, and then and then suddenly a sort of structure for like a conspiracy kind of evolved as I was writing the, the NPCs. That's kind of where the idea of the story came from. But I didn't really know which direction the story was going to take. Because some of the things you guys did, you resolve, yeah. you resolve them... At least, temp- in the short term, sufficiently where they were no longer a problem. Like it's like the werewolves when the when the werewolves showed up on your island, or you realize that there were werewolves living on the island. Um, you basically kind of befriended them and set them up in a business and kind of made things copacetic. And then you in that like we put a pin in that. We don't need to worry about that problem anymore. So. And then, and then at that point, I'm, I'm mostly spending time trying to say, okay, well, what what plates have they let drop off of the as they're spinning them, and which one can I, you know, bite them in the ass with? So, but it all it, it, it all started with wanting to run a vampire game. It's the same thing with the Call of Cthulhu game. The, the, I wanted to run a Call of Cthulhu game. You also have the added benefit of having a podcast, so you are forced to show up on time. And yeah. play with people <laughs> yes. because we have to we have to generate content and stuff. But I can see how normal people would. Sometimes it's just easier to call it in and go. I just don't want to do this today. And people, you know, chicken out. If you're in theater or whatever, there's a showtime. You got to hit. You got to be there, whether you feel like doing it or not. Right. But this is supposed to be fun. And there's a lot of times when it's just hard work, and it's it, it can be hard to get past that. I I can I get that. I totally oh, sure. get that. So and there's no real reason, real easy answer. You know. I mean, okay, there's a couple of oh, go ahead, Bill. Oh, so there, there's stuff that that some uh, that you know some of the dirty hippie games do that actually is super helpful. Um, a lot of games now you get to the end of the end of a session and they'll ask for uh, you know they'll say like tell me something that you liked, something you didn't like, something you want to see. Like they they ask questions of the players and that can be really helpful too, right? If you're trying to like you know how do you get those creative juices flowing, especially in a longer campaign, right? And that's regardless of system. You could be, you know, hey, what does it really want to see? And somebody might say, you know what I really hope we see at some point? I hope we see vampires. And you're like, oh, okay, well, God, I haven't even thought about that. But, okay, well, what, is, what does that mean in this setting? Right? What does that mean in this world? What does that mean in this game? Or they might say, you know, you know what I really, 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 I really hate is I hate it when uh, everybody meets in the tavern and the tavern's run by, you know, the old fighter and blah, whatever it is. You're like, oh, huh, okay. Well, you can take that as being like, I'm never going to have that tavern. Or you could make that into a big thing where like, no, you're going to come in and there's this this retired fighter, but he's running a really crooked tavern, right? He's shaking down people and everything. And now they get to they get to stop the thing they hate. They hate the trope. And they get to be the one to stop it or whatever it is. So yeah, burn it down. I think, yeah, burn it down. <laughs> so I, I think you could you could get a lot from your players. Like, what is it that that you want that you're not getting, or that you hope to see, or that you thought was really great, and that might help move you along in terms of you know what to do next. I do have a couple pieces of advice I think that might help. Uh, one, before embarking on a campaign, always view it as like a, a TV series. It has a beginning, middle, and end. You don't know what those are going to be, but you know it's going to be eight to ten sessions. 
and and put a time limit on it. So then you know you're not in it forever. I'm not paying. I'm not playing a three, four, six, eight year vampire game. I'm playing a season of vampire. And you know when that arc is over, we'll decide if we're going to go into another arc the next season. And and we just kind of stop and take a pulse of the group. So you're not completely committed to being in a game for too long. So it's something that I do on my home games, and um, and and every end of the arc we have a discussion, and sometimes we switch games, sometimes we go into another arc. Um, the really other piece of advice. advice I would say on prep, um, I think we all are on the don't prep too much bus, or at least prep to the point, as the misdirected Mark guys would say, prep to the point where you feel comfortable. Um, but. I, I think with prep, one, one trick I've learned, and I learned it from the Lazy Dungeon Master, actually, which is a wonderful book, The Return of the Lazy, Lazy Dungeon Master. But the, it, you come up with, instead of charting what's going to happen, you come up with 10 secrets. But these are like, uh, you know, not really in play until you need them. So they're sort of like Schrodinger secrets. And you have a secret that you'll pull out if it's true at the moment when you need it to be. And then you've written all 10 of them down. So you have it You have it in your arsenal. You have a bunch of hooks that can come into play. Um, but when the session's over, you delete them all and you come up with a whole new list on the next session. That way you're charting a bit, but not enough to control the entire story. And I think that takes some of the pressure off of prepping, especially if you know you only have eight sessions of it. Right. And, and just kind of keep it in perspective, you're not conquering the world here. It's just a hill, hilltop at a time. There's a, an old saying about actors. I keep always bringing back to acting because it, it, I think a lot of what we do role-playing-wise is telling stories and acting is also just a, a flavor of storytelling. But one of the things is great acting is not acting, it's reacting. And I think great GMing is about sort of reacting to your players, listening to what they're doing. You know, as Stu said, you know, we'll put a pin in this, and what if they, what, what plate did they just drop? And reacting to that, rather than trying to keep them in your story, you're reacting to the story that they are giving you. And it's it, it, when it re- goes really well, you're getting a feedback loop going. They inspire you, and you inspire them, and onward and onward. So it's it's less about, I think, charting out a full-on campaign, and more about allowing yourself the freedom. To and and the fun of of that what's happening in the moment. You know, does that make sense? Did I wander off topic there? No, it does. I'm with you. I mean, that that's kind of what I consider to be like, sort of like the mid game of a campaign is the point when, as the GM, your prep completely slows down because the players they've they figured out what's going on. They know the setting now, and they've figured out their plans. And you're basically just reacting to what the players are doing. Yeah, definitely. And getting there is very. Dovetails into our other store or other other. Uh, it email. does. Uh, who wants uh, recovering from a train wreck of a session from Chad? Who would like to read this? I'll take it. Okay. Good evening. After hearing the call to arms or keyboards or emails, I wanted to ask about something that happened to me a while back. Have you ever GM'd such a train wreck of a game that it basically destroyed your confidence? Ouch. A couple of years ago, I ran a superhero game for our regular group. I hadn't run one since high school, but the Marvel movies were pretty popular with our group, so it seemed like a safe bet. I'd say it was a horror story, but that takes on an entirely different context around here. Everyone is still on speaking terms. There are no criminal charges pending. Nobody is on a list. It was just a game where everything that could go wrong did and seemed to do so very consistently. The best thing that happened was that people didn't like the rules I chose. Oh, that's the best thing. Yes, I wrote that correctly. (laughs) Clues were missed. Clues were ignored. Clues were completely misinterpreted. Bad guys ran off unhindered. At one point, a player even said, well, the cops are here now, so I guess he's their problem. In this alleged superheroes game, (laughs) the game changed for (laughs) the game charged forward from one failure to the next and ground to a halt after four or five sessions. They even beat the big bad evil gal, but not a single damn was given. I was crushed. I don't hold myself up as a master of all things RPG, but after about 30 years, I think I have gotten pretty good at this. Some games are better than others, but I think I consistently pull off at least a B-grade game. This was an F, a serious one. Not the one you kind of draw an extra line under the side and claim that it's an A, (laughs) obvious one. (laughs) kind that gets you grounded after dad finds out 
I don't think I GM for about a year after that. Thankfully, I finally got the guts to do a D&D game that was very well received. After a few months, I went to do an old standby, Cyberpunk 2020, and had a recent a decent showing there, too. But I still have some kind of trauma-induced terror of giving Supers games another shot. There are a number I'd like to try out. Scenarios I think would be fun, but I can't get myself to put one forward when it's time for the group to pick up the new game. So, have you ever had such a confidence-crushing game experience? Any advice you can share besides just getting back up on the horse? Chad and the UP, great worm on the forums. Thank you, Chad. That's that's terrible. Before we before we unpack this, I, I have to say that I've noticed that people of a certain age have been struggling a lot with self-confidence as they have gotten older and in a lot of things. <clears throat> I've had it myself with performing, with my singing voice. Of course, your singing voice changes as you get older, too, so sometimes it's like, this is not the voice I had when I yeah, I don't know what different. you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, my youngest daughter is GMing, and she's fearless. She doesn't care. It's a great time. Whereas me, I'm riddled with self-doubt and anxiety about, is this going to be good? Is it, is it going to work? Is it gonna, and you talk yourself out, and you work yourself into a lather. And it's it's only, like, as I got older that that was ever an issue, because back in the day, I didn't care. It was fun. So I wonder if, because clearly you've been GMing for 30 years, if you hit that that part in your life where you suddenly are riddled with a lot of self-doubt and questioning because I find myself doing it with everything, even my career. I find myself like things I used to be able to do without thinking about it. I find myself going, I don't know if I know how to do this. And we're like, what am I talking about? I've been doing this for 30 years. I know how to do this, but I think it's maybe part of our age. It may be uh, the way situations are. So I, I preface it with that because I've been struggling with those uh, self-doubt demons a lot recently too. It might be something to that. I know that um, I put a lot of emotional energy into running a game, energy that I never used to have to spend. And I, I, I mean, I'm looking at some of these, uh, you know, people at cons that can sit at a table and run games for 12 hours or more. And I'm thinking, how can you do that? I'd be dead. I, I can't. I can't keep. Uh, and there might be something to that. There's a. There's definitely a, an age situation there. I also think there's a tendency for GMs to uh, wrap their their person into the game that they're running. And it, when you're playing and you really think honestly about yourself, are you in any way judging the GM about the experience at the table? Unless it's a, you know, horror story. Or are you just playing the game? And I think as, as GMs tend to really wrap ourselves into it and it's part of us. And so when it goes poorly, it reflects on us personally, even though nobody else sees it that way. Right. That, that is a cautionary tale. A lot of people's lives are defined by what they do. Like if once suddenly people retire and they were defined by their job or their children or, you know, or their singing voice and suddenly it's gone, they don't, their, their sense of identity goes away, which is similar to what you're saying. But I'm, I'm wandering off topic here. What is a, let's see if we can answer this, this question specifically. Uh, He's, he wants to know how to how how have any advice on getting back on the horse, and if you had a similar situation. So I I haven't had a similar situation. I guess I'm lucky in that way. But I will say, in terms of getting on the horse, don't do a campaign. Just do a one shot. If you and pick something that you think would be fun and low stakes, and there and if it's superhero specifically, and that's the problem. Oh my god, don't make a champions. Don't make it something that like requires mass amounts. Like get like tiny hero. There's like there's there's superhero superhero light stuff, right? Right. Um, or masks, even like anything that's you know if it's adjacent to a, a system that you know how to use or one that's easy to use, like do that and just come up with like like one story. You know, like if you were and like I just want to have run this kind of encounter. I want to see how this works. And, and set it up to be the super casual and super fun, just to put your toe back in the water, right? Um, don't have it be like, oh, I got to get back on the horse because now we've got to traverse the Sahara. Like, oh, no, don't, don't do that, right? No. Just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get on the horse because we're going into the store to get candy. And I love candy in the store super close, <laughs> right? So make it that kind of a horse ride. Uh, you know, that will be, I think, much better for you getting back on it. I also asked the question, like, was it really as bad as you think it was? Like, did your players have a really terrible time? 
um, sometimes we're our own worst critics. Sometimes we think, oh my god, I completely failed at this, it didn't go right, and this didn't go right, and then you, you find out from your players, like, what are you talking about? It was a great time. I think Stu had that happen once. Uh, he was like, um, oh my god, I completely flummoxed. It might have been a con game. I completely bombed it. And the people are like, what are you talking about? It was fun. It was great. And, and you're astonished at that. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Sometimes <clears throat> you, have to, you have to get out of your own head. And even and these are your friends. So even if they were giving you shit about it, which they may have been, they, they seriously didn't take it as seriously as you did. I mean, I, I, I guarantee that that there was, they weren't like you know uh, writing angry letters or anything. It was just like oh, it was a batch of a game, you know. So what? But like I said before, you know, you put your your heart, you're into it, you put your soul into it, and, and it t- you take it very personally when it doesn't go the way you want it to. And that's know- that's not a fault. That means you really care. But, you know, you, you do need to have some perspective about it as well. I wonder if he, because I'm reading through his, his, like, account of the game, I wonder if he was resting on his laurels too much. Mm. You know, because, I mean, I can see that you've been running games for 30-plus years, and i am almost been running them 40. And and it's at some point you're like, yeah, I don't need to prep. And that that's a mistake I think all of us have made maybe once, twice, and then you're like, oh, no, I'm never going to do that again. Because <laughs> I'm looking at this, and he's like, <clears throat> the, uh, the clues were missed, clues were ignored, clues were completely misinterpreted. Players do that all the time. Players do that in good games. I mean, that in yeah. and of itself is not a problem. The problem is how you react to that. You know, Do you point them in the right direction? Do you need to be able to come up with another clue that maybe you can throw in? That will allow the um, players to to sort of get back on 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 the trail rather than, or you know, change the scenario so that their their misinterpretation is correct. You can always do that too, and then and also and then the thing about well, the cops are here now, so I guess he's he's their problem. I had that happen in the last con game I ran. It, uh, what was that February con, and I I ran uh, was it February con. Was it one before? Might have the one before that. I had the players make regular, ordinary people, and uh, but it was going to be a vampire game because it was going to take place in the Moda Sin. It was just going to be ordinary people coming to the the vampire island to visit a friend who's gone missing. First thing that they did: oh, she's not home, and we can't get in the house, and there are dogs in there, and the dogs whining. We should call the police, and they should do a welfare check. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are superheroes, right? And, the, and don't call the cops. And one of the players was 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 Hosier Rob, and he's like, "We're normal people. We're not heroes." I'm like, "Okay, you know what? You're right. I miss it. I, I I completely missed the fact that I was that 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 is what you would do, and I had not yeah. prepped for it at all. Had I, you know, <laughs> if I if I'd had a little bit of distance, or if I had a little bit of forethought about that." thought a little bit more about the adventure before I sat down to run it, maybe I would have gone, what am I going to do if they call the cops? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll have the you know a cop who's been ghouled by one of the vampires show up, and and then they can pull them back into the story somehow. But every so often, you, you kind of you, you, you kind of rest on your laurels and say, "Yeah, I, I, I'll just I'll just improvise everything." You know what, though, <laughs> I think that's your thing when that happens, because that happened in a Cthulhu game that you ran when you were testing a Cthulhu idea that Elspeth and I played in. You guys ran away. Like, that's right. Go, and we're like, "Oh, yeah, no, fuck it, we're out." Yeah. yeah, and we just all left, and you're like, "Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense." There's no reason you'd stay there, right? Is that where you had to like actually railroad us by breaking the train? Or you, or do you decide to let us go? Because there was one you did that too. You were like, "Oh no, no!" Because the ga- the game that you guys played in was a play test. Because I was going to run it at a convention, right. and in the play test, I think you guys said, "You know, at this point, I would just leave." And then we were all like, "Oh yeah, none of us have any reason to stay here now." Right. So, <laughs> and I think I asked you to please don't. Let's just assume that you're not going to leave, <laughs> just so we can get to the, to, to a resolution. Um, and but it's really funny. Like I think that's a that's a almost like a like a you ism, like a stewism. Like when you get to that point and you kind of like you you lax out a little bit, it's you miss a thing that's super obvious, right? But oh, your yeah. players don't, and they get to be like, oh, oh yeah, we're doing this thing, and you're like, oh shit, that happens okay. all the time. That happens to me all the time. I ran a I, the I ran uh, Savage Worlds, the Windy Drawers game. Yeah, and I had, I had made that giant map of his whole manor. 
not just the house, but the grounds and the wall around it, and had all the security and stuff. And you guys are going to invited to go there for a grand soiree. And the and the first thing out of your mouth, there's no way we're going to that party. We need to dr- we need to draw him out of there. I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> to your credit, you were like. You know, you're right. Why would you walk into the mansion? You know, you're absolutely right. Now, I'm not going to make you use the map I made. <laughs> but, yes, it, do, it, it, it does get... I, I get myopic occasionally. I, that also begs the question, because this is something that was bothering me, and it's happened to me before, too. It's like, have you ever run a game and the players are playing a different game? It's like you wanted to do maybe something serious, and they're coming in all, yeah, 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 yeah and, you know, calling oh, yeah. the cops as opposed to... and. You, in, my younger self, would get mad and railroad them or, or punish them. My older self now is like, apparently, I need to switch gears. This is the game they want to play. I need to be more flexible and, and, and not so intransigent and play the game that they're playing now and make or, it more fun. Or you need to have that conversation before the game starts about tone and stuff like that and say, hey, I want to run this kind of a game. And let everyone know and buy into that up front. <clears throat> you know, there's another thing that helps me stay like in a system or stay with a story is, and this is, you have to be choosy or lucky or a little of both, but having someone who's in your group who like really thinks outside the box or like is a conspiracy theorist or something because they just start saying stuff about your game and your world. And you're like, oh. That's so good. That's good. It's like I'll tell you, I'll be like strip. It's one of the reasons I love Stork in my games because you always think of way weirder, cooler stuff than I did, and then you're like, you're like, oh, what about that? Oh, what is the you know? And you just throw it out there. Wouldn't like, it be great if it were the idiots, idiots like, array? Yeah, like oh, whatever that thing. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that. I love games that share narrative control with the players. Yeah. I love them. Well, that's Stu's. I don't want to say number one rule, but it's steal from your players. He does it all the time. Oh, they you definitely, come when the players are talking about what's going on and what they're planning to do, that is not a good time to go to the bathroom for a break. <laughs> <laughs> you want to stay and listen oh, to that shit. That's gold right there for your game. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I don't know if we've helped Did him. Did we help Great Worm out? I, I hope we helped him. I don't... Uh, the. I, I would definitely. I, I think. I think Bill's right. R- run a one shot of of that that genre you fear that superhero genre and see what happens. Yeah, pick up tiny supers. It's great. You don't have to learn it. Yeah, that's, that's the one I couldn't read. That's right. That's one I would. I misstated. That is really, all the tiny things are really cool and real easy. I've heard really good things about that. Yeah, about the whole yeah, t- the whole tiny line. And then when it comes to self confidence. Um, the only thing you can really, again, it's going to be related to acting. It's um, it's like when you go to bomb an audition, right? Or even as a singer or a musician, you go and audition for a band or a group and you tank it. You just have to let it go. It's like, it, you're, it's hard not to dwell on it. You'd leave that house, you know, going, God, that sucked. Oh, my God, that was the worst thing I've ever done. But that's not going to help anybody in the long run. You just have to let it go and move on and come up. And it sounds really stupid, but, and it's, it is. It's hard to do. It's hard to let that shit go. But the worst thing you can do is just keep dwelling on it and spending time in your head. It, it is what it is. It's in the past. You just have to sort of move on and just let it not affect you. Let and there's go. all kinds of, of self-help go. strategies out there for that kind of thing. But after, after time, that stuff will wear you down. And it is toxic to your confidence. It's toxic to you as a personality. And it isn't going to help anything. You just have to figure out a way to let that stuff go. Because, yeah, it will completely undermine your confidence. It will eat your soul. It will. And on that note, it will eat your bat log. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Chad. And I think that's about it. Anything anyone else wants to add or anything before we adjourn? Just a quick note on scheduling. Um, insert coin floodwater is coming up Friday, Monday, which is usually the witch session. So because we switched it. Okay. So if you uh, come every Monday because there's something happening, but next week it'll be Kadev, and then uh, we'll come back with which the week after that. Is which available for purchase yet? Uh, I'm working on it. Speaking of Gallant Knight, that's the publisher that's going to run with it. Uh, I oh, good. 
there's there's a pandemic on there's a social unrest i'm not sure if this is the right time to release a game um but there are beta rules available which i am giving out to happy jacks listeners who are kind and ask for them um awesome but i'm hoping to get it up sooner rather than later so that people can start playing it i had a great time in your game i think it's really fun those are really terrible rules too that was alpha that was bad i was (laughs) talk about talk about confidence (laughs) again (laughs) you know and you just shook your, you just have to shake it off and, and move on. Yeah, but, right. Um, I was listening to an interview with Stephen Fry talking about he's Stephen Fry's an actor and a comedian and intellect, and he's written a book about Greek uh, gods and such. And one of his favorite gods is uh, is uh, Hestius, the goddess of the hearth. And I was immediately thinking again about your game because it, it all takes place around the hearth, and it's a uh, it's a really great concept that you've come up with. Oh, thank you. The uh, the Happy Jacks sessions are going really well, and it's not talk about the hearth. I mean, the uh, players are really. I mean, it's a um, it's basically a shelter for witches that have no place to go. They're in the the Rust Belt and a completely ravaged economy, and it's it, it's so heart wrenching. And I, I really great players, and, and but mm-hmm. we're we're definitely dealing with hearth as a major theme. How how cool! And see, right there, I'm inspired. Creative juice is flowing. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, if if you're if you're a traveler player and you're interested in adding uh, uh, space wizards with <laughs> suns made out of sun, swords made out of the sun energy, <laughs> that is that is IP that is not someone else's. Um, uh, go and drive through, and you can pick up Knights of Solaris, which is the thing else than I did. So it is a, a character path and source book. For Traveler's Second Edition, Excellent. very cool. So, you know, we're not making very much money off of it. That's fine. That's not really what it's about. It was like just wanted to put something out and actually start dabbling, not in digital games, but in the tabletop games that I played for much longer. Wait, wait, wait! I thought we made money at this. <laughs> Maybe you make money at this. <laughs> I will say, I would I was, like to. I was happy to be able to. The, my big focus on it was. Um, paying everybody to do the stuff that I needed to have done, right? So I, I hired an artist, and I said, what do you charge? You tell me what you charge. And I didn't haggle them on their rate because it's very reasonable. And then I worked with, um, actually, one of our forum members and listeners, Tanik, who did all that Star Wars layout stuff for me that I could never give to anyone, right? I said, hey, do you want to lay out another thing for me? And he charged me, and it was very reasonable. And so I was more interested and fortunately had the ability to say like, oh, I'm going to pay you for your thing that you do. And then I'm going to sell it and whatever I make, I make. Right. So, um, yeah. I don't know. It was more just fun to do and get it out there. Um, that, you know, I didn't do a big Kickstarter campaign. I didn't have better aspirations. I'm sure every other person who puts anything out will do better than that will, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, I'm all about paying artists for what they're worth. They've they been traditionally marginalized money and, and even, even just their, their skill set has just been oh it's yeah it, they're never paid with it yeah which is why I always try to send them like a meal and drink tickets if you guys play my gig for free then uh, you know I'll get you on the next one the next big one right think of the exposure <laughs> oh my God. Right. which sometimes I misinterpreted that and I sent someone dick pics because I, I thought that's what exposure meant yeah we have a bandmate who did that on stage once too inadvertently <laughs> It happens. Uh, I, I've I've finished my first novel, and I am just starting. The How long did that take you to read? <laughs> well, I had to sound them out, so it about eighteen years. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what happened, um, but uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to record it probably as a sort of podcast audio book, and I may put it on Audible because there's a way you can put stuff on Audible depending on uh, what I think of it when I'm done with the recording part of it. So, but it's Congratulations. Great. That's a huge feat. Uh, I, it, the, yeah, that's fantastic, man. And I found out the, 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 the most effective way to do that is to write, the, write an outline of the story first before you start writing the novel. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> my wife has several published books. She always rewrites them entirely uh, halfway through. Oh, yeah, I could, I could totally see that. I can totally see that. I've probably, I actually wrote a novel in college, but it's lost and long gone. Uh, and then I, I probably attempted to write 
couple dozen, and it, they, they've all failed. But this one I was able to finish. So, and it's about um, it's about Mandite Birdstaff, who is the NPC from the the D and D Fourth Edition game I ran. Uh, it's about his life and, and his early days, and uh, eventually, if it, if I end up writing more of them, it will explain how he ended up becoming a necromancer. Totally so, cool. Yeah. Ray Bradbury once came to our college, and he talked about the process of writing, and he was, he's a great speaker as well as a great writer, but he talked about rewriting everything um, three times, which is why he said he specialized in short stories. Because can you imagine trying to rewrite War and Peace oh, three times? Fuck. Back in the day when everybody would have to rewrite and rewrite. Nowadays, it's easy with electronics, and you can just delete or add to or whatever and, and you know, edit whole sections on the fly. But he said he would rewrite every story three times. I, so, yeah, it's I, a lot of work. I don't remember. This is when I was in, in, in college. In, in one of my journalism classes, they were talking about someone was a novel writer. It might have been Hemingway. I don't remember who it was. Whoever, very famous writer. When he'd sit down to write every morning, he would read through the entire novel up to the point where he stopped the night before. And then he would start writing. Wow. And I'm like, wow, that if that's a big book. That's time-consuming. Yeah. I mean, it's, you don't it start couldn't have been Hemingway. Couldn't have been Hemingway. He was the one that said, "Write drunk." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> probably not Hemingway. That's right. I can't you remember. No, he would start. He's like, "I got to write again." So I got to drink to the point where I was last time. Right? It's just like oh, brutal. No, that, actually, like, that makes the same level. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. He he wakes up in the morning. He wrote it blacked out. He's like, I gotta look and see what I wrote. <laughs> he starts at the beginning like, eh, it's pretty good. go. <laughs> and then the next morning it starts again. Okay. That's, All right. That's the secret to our songwriting. Like, I don't know. Like, how, what did that sound like? Why none of us remember the lyrics? <laughs> when we're just when we're sober, we get like, what were the lyrics to these? We wrote them. They were really great. I remember that. All right. All right. I'm going to go ahead and call it. Uh, where is it? This one? That's yeah, that one. Where Thank you for joining us. No, oh, wrong one. Thank you for joining us for season 27, episode one of Happy Chance Happy RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. And Chris. You're muted. And Bill was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom bingo. <laughs> I'm Hemingway. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week at 7 p.m. Pacific time right here on Friday. Thank you very much. Games or Dungeons and Dragons